Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we are helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we are giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, friend, there's no better person to be working for than the living, come on, the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we just thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Listen, don't delay, friend, accept Jesus today. If you're not born again, I'm telling you, your life is in the pits. And the only way you're going to get it turned around is to have some supernatural assistance by being born again. The Bible says that life will enter you and you will be raised, as it were, from spiritual death. And you'll have zoe. John 5, 25 says the father granted that the son would have life. The word, the Greek word life it's a phenomenal word. It's called Zoe, but it's basically this. That word life is the source of life, the source of energy, if you will, the the point, uh, the generating power source, if you will, of the Father is his life. The Greek word is the word Zoe. It's his life. And when we're born again, we're partakers of that life. Hallelujah. Jesus becomes the bread of that life. <laughs> oh, man. And so we just... We can feast on that and, 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 and live and truly live. If you're not born again, you are a walking dead man or dead woman, and you need to accept Jesus today. Do not delay any further. All right, if you need help with that, uh, I know there's somebody close by uh, that has already tried to minister to you. Reach out to them, or if you'd like to reach out to our ministry, we'd be happy to lead you to Jesus. Oh, it would be a joy. All right, let's get into the podcast today. I'm going to talk about the power of imagination, the power of imagination. You can also tune in. Uh, I, I pastor in Harrison, Arkansas, Grace City Church. You could tune in. We're kind of in a series right now dealing with that. But it all started when the Lord said, I want you to work with me uh, in going deeper. And so I said, all right, Lord, how do we do that? And so he, we've been in a trajectory uh, for quite some time now, and the Lord is leading us and guiding us. And so if you're just now jumping in, uh, with us, it's for such a time as this, friend. Don't consider that, um, uh, you know, happenstance. Um, you know, if the Lord's truly been leading you uh, and guiding you, then what you're listening to today is going to fit in somewhere in what He's doing in your life. Hallelujah! All right, so let's look at some verses. Let's lay a foundation, a very solid biblical foundation, in which to lay on some other thoughts. So Proverbs twenty three seven it says this: For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Good News translation uh, says it like this. And you got to understand the context is this guy was holding like a, a party or a feast or, and he invited some guests over and he said something to, it, to them, but he didn't really mean what he said. Here's how the Good News translation phrases that verse. Come on and have some more, he says, but he doesn't mean it. What he thinks is what he really is. Uh, so here's the setup. Let's say that you invited somebody o over to your house for dinner, and you are really freaking out that they may eat you out of house and home. In fact, you may not really want them to eat all that you have laid out or presented to them. And so inwardly, you're actually uh, a little bit perturbed, actually. Uh, which is kind of hypocritical that you set this whole thing up anyways, but let's work with it. So on the, on the inside, you're really going, man, I hope they don't eat all of that cheesecake, you know, or I hope they don't eat all that food. But instead of saying what you really feel or what you really believe, in essence, you kind of, you put on a show, you say, Hey, <laughs> eat all you want, come in, have fun, be merry, eat. But inwardly, that's not really what you uh, mean. This is what this Bible is saying that what you think about on the inside is who you really are. You can play act. You can put on a show. A lot of people do that. And it's quite hypocritical. I mean, I get it. Uh, maybe we shouldn't say everything every time because maybe we should work through some stuff. Maybe we, we, we realize we're being tempted 
to think about somebody in a way that isn't true. And so we wouldn't say those things. Like we wouldn't give place to the devil by just repeating what he is saying to us about someone else. Now that's not hypocritical when you don't say those things. But if you actually truly believe something uh, and then you just don't say it, but instead you say something opposite, well, that's basically lying. Uh, That's deception. Um, It's hypocritical. And the idea here is that what you really think, what you're really seeing on the inside is who you really are. First Samuel 16, seven, the last part of that verse, it says, for man looks on the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. God sees, God knows, and he doesn't consider external things necessarily as the predominant Uh, reality, he sees what's going on on the inside, in the heart, in your mind, in your imagination as really what you think about a certain situation. Now I'm getting way ahead of myself, but you remember, remember that passage in Matthew where he says, if a man or a woman, if anybody looks upon somebody with evil intent or lustful uh, imaginations, Jesus said that the act Uh, a lustful act, an evil intention perpetrated on somebody in the realm of the imagination, he considers it as if you had done it in the natural. He considers the act. He said this, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with that woman in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Is he considers the thoughts and the imagination, the picturing uh, he considers the uh, the scenario that you created in, in your mind as what you really think and what you really believe about a situation. So now you can see what Proverbs 23 is seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You may have an act, you may have a play act. In fact, you may have become really good at role playing. You may have become really good at play acting where you have kept people aloof to what you really think or what you really feel. You may think that you've even, uh, you've even uh, you know, got one up on God because on Sunday you got your hands raised, you're singing louder than everybody else, but God really knows what's, what's going on on the inside of you outside of that um, particular environment or scenario where you find it easy to play act. I'm telling you that no matter what, you may have this external action, but God's reading your heart. Now, maybe you're unaware. Uh, maybe you're deceived Maybe you think that your play act is the real you, but I'm telling you that whatever is going on in your heart uh, is going to be going on Monday through Saturday. You know, let's kind of separate something here for contextual understanding. Let's say that you are, you do go to church on Wednesday and, and Sunday and you find it really easy in that environment, you know, maybe to lift your hands and worship the Lord, but you find it more difficult outside of that environment. Doesn't mean necessarily that you're play acting or faking, but the reality is, is that you're going to have to press into for what you really believe. Maybe you have friends, family, coworkers that are hateful. Maybe they are mocking. Uh, maybe they um, don't understand why you would be praying or praying in the spirit or communicating on heavenly things or talking about God all the time. And so you 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 end up taking a back seat, or you because you don't want controversy, you just hide it. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're play acting, but I think the Lord would encourage you to press through and to not allow a mocking spirit, because that would be the strategy behind the scenes. These people don't really know. They're being influenced by a mocking spirit. Um, But you would need to press through into victory and not be ashamed of that. Now, let's flip it. Let's say that you really are a play actor. And so you find it easy to play act on Sunday, but the reality is in your imagination, you don't really have a personal relationship with the Lord. You really don't envision communicating with him. You don't communicate with him. You really don't have time with him. You're not setting your mind on him. You're not uh, subduing your soul, your physical body. uh, That would indicate any kind of submission or a subjective relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's a problem, friend. Um, And so we need to consider that. All right, Proverbs 4.23, it says this, guard your heart. The the Amplified says, keep and guard your heart with all 
vigilance. I think another uh, translation uses the word diligence. And above all, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows or springs all the issues of life. You know, when we're talking about the heart, uh, the heart of man, we're really talking about two things that work together seamlessly. We're talking about the spirit of man, but we're also talking about that the spirit, you are a spirit, you are not a body, but your spirit has a soul, which is where the realm of the imagination is. Um, it's, It's what the mind utilizes to envision what is coming up either from a flesh impulse or a spirit impulse. And uh, this is what he's saying. You have to guard that because the devil is after your imagination. Can you imagine this? (laughs) We're talking about imagination. Can you imagine this? Think about that verse that I mentioned. Uh, Let me get the exact reference here for you, friends. Um, Of what Jesus said. Let me see. Let me find it here. Uh, da, da, da. Well, let's see. Where did I put that? I just, well, I don't want to take a bunch of time, so let me do it like this. Sorry, I wasn't prepared in my notes. Uh, if you think, upon, I'm going to look it up here. All right, so that's Matthew 5, 28, okay? And Jesus says this. He said, I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman lustfully or at a man lustfully. And this could be either heterosexual or homosexual. It doesn't matter. If anybody looks upon another person with evil intent, lustful intent, Jesus says that in that space, in the realm of your imagination, he says you've already committed the act in your heart. And so you can see here how he is he is equating how powerful this reality is that somebody says, well, I, it was just in my mind. You know, it was just in my imagination. Well, the imagination is the gateway to the spirit realm. And Jesus is saying, I look at the heart. Remember that we read that in Samuel. He looks at the heart. He is evaluating what's going on in the heart or in the mind or the imagination of man. Remember in Genesis six, he said that he was, he was, he was, um, he was repentant that he had created man because their imaginations were evil continuously. Remember that verse in Genesis 6? Their imagination, the imagination of man, of his, of his creation, were evil continually. Well you, well, you say, well, they didn't act on it. Well, but see, he's looking at, at the heart. He considers that realm, he considers that operation, he considers that gift so potent and so powerful that he would extend either, uh, well, I'm just going to use the word judgment. He would extend judgment based on what's going on in your imagination alone. Think about that, friend. Now you can understand why the devil is after that. That's why he tries to capture your imagination with words, or he tries to capture your imagination with images, or he tries to capture your imagination. If the imagination is the gateway to the spirit realm, well, you can see another point of perspective of why the the enemy would try and get you, hook you, seduce you in that realm. Now, in the Old Testament, it is true that uh, the only way that judgment came, uh, let's say for adultery, is if you physically acted upon it. But Jesus said in the New Testament, he's referring to born-again spirits. He said under the Old Testament, and I'm kind of adding several thoughts here, but I think you'll understand. Under the law or in the Old Testament, nobody was born again. And so you had to literally act out this act. You were already spiritually dead. You were already condemned. And so under the law, the condemnation came to the act. The law was a restrainer a physical restrainer of sorts. But you, but you understand that the law could not restrain the heart. It could only restrain the physical body. But when you were born again, well, how are you born again? He says, you're born of the spirit. Now, remember that you're born from above. You're born of the spirit. You are born of the word. 
Jesus says, now that you are spiritually alive, part of your inheritance now is a spiritual reality. What is the gateway? The imagination. So he says, even now, the imaginations of your heart, uh, uh, that sin or that activity is judged in that realm because now you're opened up to the reality of the spiritual realm. So now even the imaginations can be condemned. Or on the other side of that coin, people say, well, did you really see an angel? You know, if you listen to my podcast last, last week, we kind of talked about this. Did you really see an angel? Did you really see it? People are wanting to substantiate the spiritual realm by the natural. And so people think, well, I didn't actually commit adultery with that woman. I didn't actually commit adultery with that man. Well, but did you really? Let me ask you a question. Did you see it? in the realm of the imagination, Jesus considers that just as real as if you had done it in the natural. So the, the power of that on the other side, now that's, that's kind of, if we could say it like this, that's kind of in the negative. Well, let's flip it. What about the power of that? Well, did you really see an angel? Well, I don't know if I really saw it in the natural, but well, are, are you trying to substantiate the natural realm as being the greater realm that gives proof of what goes on in the spirit realm? Or is it the other way around? I've talked about this for several years now where the greater dominant realm is the spiritual realm. Job Job 38, if you look at Job, that was one of the first places that we see in the Old Testament where God begins to say, look, this realm, the spiritual realm, is what influences the natural realm. So you can see now why God takes very seriously what happens in the realm of the mind or the imagination because it's the gateway to the spiritual realm. How do you see an angel? Do you see it with your natural eyes or do you really see it with the eyes of your spirit? Jesus is saying, if you see it with the eyes of, of your spirit, you've really seen it. You know, and there's this argument, well, did you hear that voice audibly? Yeah, you did in the spirit. Are you saying it's not as real because no one in the natural heard it? Well, what if there's, what if they're spiritually deaf? Deaf people won't hear anything. Can you have natural flappers that hear, but deaf spiritual ears? Can you have natural eyes that see, but blind spiritual eyes? Totally. Look at the story of Paul in the New Testament. You know, his experience here, he was spiritually blind. So God did something for him. He actually caused his natural eyes to be blind, to drive a point home saying, look, your reliance on your natural eyes is what's kept you blinded to the spiritual realm. You know, when you see that dimension or when that dimension has been, uh, is opened up to you, uh, that dimension overlays over this one. And so if you see an angel sitting on a chair, we're both utilizing the same chair because it's the same real space, but they are in another dimension that is um, veiled as it were, but he wants to clear off the scales. Remember that? Remember scales fell off people's eyes? Remember that? Uh, there, there is a spiritual blindness that the enemy wants to keep you in, that God wants to deliver you from. And so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the power of the imagination. And again, if Jesus equated envisioning some evil intent towards another person as real, the only reason why he does that is because now you're spiritually alive. You are alive to that dimension. How do you see that dimension? Well, I'm going to give you some scripture here to fill in these gaps and these questions. All right. So this is why I said in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, because out of it flows the issue of life. What you really think. Now, listen, you are not a mind floating in the ether. You are a spirit uh, that has a mind. The mind, though, is a derivative of either a dominant spiritual reality or a dominant natural fleshly carnal reality. And both realms are trying to capture the attention of your imagination because it's in the space of the uh, imagination that your vision is formed. All right, now let, let's go on here. Luke 6, 45. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good out of the heart things come forth things come forth out of the heart a good heart brings forth good things then he says an evil man or woman 
out of the evil treasure or the abundance of whatever's in the heart, the heart will bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, and then here we see another spiritual law, his mouth speaks. Now, the reason why it's important of what you're saying is because life and death have been given into the power of the tongue. That's the very, that's the natural outworking. Uh, that's the authority, that's the command given that comes out of the realm of the heart or the realm of the imagination. Your mouth gives life uh, or death. Your The tongue will authorize something or it will condemn something. And uh, it will authorize death or it will authorize life. You understand that? It will condemn something evil or it will condemn something um, that it shouldn't. So that is a spiritual law that we don't want to forget. Let me give you something else here for the for principle's sake. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. And he goes on to say, we also believe and therefore speak. So I want you to see a spiritual law here that out of the heart, you give motion and you give voice to whatever you really believe. Now you can constrain yourself temporarily. That's what the law did. But you, but you understand that that was limited and it really couldn't give life. The law only condemned. It restrained physical activity and actions. It restrained words. It restrained physical actions but it couldn't deal with the heart. The heart was still uh, trapped in wickedness. Jesus said that after you were born again, guess what was written on your heart? Well, that's partly because you have now the life of Christ on the inside of you. It's what's giving your spirit, man, it's life. And so now in the DNA, you have access to the law of God. And Paul said in Romans 7, inwardly, I delight to do what's right. So now you got to get your mind to agree with it. That's Romans 12. That's where Romans 12 comes in. Your mind um, has to be renewed. It only knew death. It only knew decay. It only knew flesh. It only knew natural. Now you got to get your mind to disagree with the reality of the natural, which is limited, and now begin to agree with the impulse or revelation or unction that comes out of your born-again spirit. Your mind has to agree. It has to agree with something. Once your mind agrees with it, it'll give voice to it. When your mind agrees with something, it'll give activity to it. This is why he's saying, listen, if you're lusting after somebody in your heart, it's as if you've already committed it. He considers it just as real in the um, realm of your imagination. Now, you may not have physically acted on it yet, but the natural is simply a byproduct of what's going on in your heart. Don't forget that because if you're believing God for healing uh, and you're waiting to see yourself healed naturally before you will believe it inwardly, you're probably not going to receive your healing. You can put any idea there. You know, let's say finances, uh, maybe relational things. Uh, let's say things concerning a situation or a circumstance. If in the space of your imagination, you always see yourself failing, losing, last, sick, defeated, broke, uh, forgotten, abused, ignored, um, but yet over here in, in the natural, you're trying to, um, or like you, you say, well, I believe that this is what God wants because I see it right here in his word that he said, I am the God that heals thee. But if you go into the realm of the mind or the imagination and you're only connecting with death, decay, failure, sickness, etc. Well, something's happening here. Something's happening here. You are actually experiencing the abundance of what's in your heart. So you got to get your mind to agree with what is going on in the spirit realm. If he says you're healed, you've got to get your mind to agree with it. Well, how do you walk that out? All of your imagination has to be in line with healing. You can't see yourself dying of that disease and yet over here confessing that Jesus healed you. Um, you are not in agreement. You are not in agreement. You are out of a line. You are a three-part being and none of it is in agreement. Um, now, uh, so what do you do? Well, you meditate. You meditate. The word meditate is the word imagine. I'm going to show you that. 
here in just a second. All right, now look at this here. It says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, this is Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says they cast off restraint. Cast off restraint where there is no vision. Vision, the word vision, Webster's 1828 dictionary is defined as this, something unseen, imagined in order to be seen. That's Webster's 1828, vision. What is vision? Something unseen, imagined in order to be seen. You know, here, you know, when we talk about having a vision, a vision of the future, well, that's, an, that's unseen. That's an unseen realm. Now, we know that the Bible says that all of your days are written in his book. That's Psalm 100, was it 139, 16? David had this revelation that all the days of his life, even the days he haven't even lived yet, were all written down in God's book. Uh, John chapter 16, uh, it says that everything that the Father has was given to Jesus, and then Jesus turned everything over to the Holy Spirit, who was the Spirit of truth that was going to not speak on his own authority, but whatever he heard, he would tell you. And the, the Amplified Bible says that he would reveal to you the future. He would tell you things to come. Well, those are unseen things. They're unseen, but just because they're unseen doesn't mean they're unreal. So how do you see an unseen thing? Well, here, vision is something unseen imagined to be seen. So when God says you're healed, well, you don't see that. I mean, if you look at yourself, you still see sickness. How are you going to see yourself healed? You're going to have to go and imagine it. Take God's word and meditate or imagine uh, the reality. Imagine the outcome. Imagine his word being so true that it alters your current condition. If you cannot see yourself healed, if Jesus says you're healed by his stripes, you were healed. How are you going to get a vision for healing if you can't imagine it. This is what I'm saying. It's not that you don't know how to use your imagination. You're using your imagination, maybe unintentionally, but nonetheless, uh, maybe even involuntary, but nonetheless, you're using your imagination to see yourself dying or being more crippled or losing or diminishing based on the sickness. You are seeing yourself in the future worse off than you are now. That's using your imagination. So I'm saying stop doing that and flip it around and use your imagination to see by his stripes you were healed or you are healed. You can put anything in there. Maybe there's a situation with somebody. Use your imagination. Instead of self-prophesying something negative in the future, um, let's say that, uh, and I don't know who's watching or listening now, but let's say you have a uh, a disease. Okay. You have a sickness, you have an illness, you have a, a handicap, you have a debilitating situation. How do you see yourself in the future? You may actually have to, uh, give yourself some time to actually bring up how you've seen your future based on your diagnosis. Are you in the future right now? Of course not. You're right here in the natural. But where is your imagination? Your imagination is in the future. So what you're doing is you are charting a course into unknown territory by utilizing your imagination. And the substance of your imagination is the words, the words of the diagnosis, the reality of the situation. And by the way, you've probably stolen someone else's plight as the seedbed for your own decay. Let's say, uh, let's say that you've been diagnosed with cancer. Well, uh, you've never experienced it, but the, but the seedbed to your future is uh, images, stories, words, and firsthand experiences of someone else that navigated cancer. Well, you've stolen their plight and you have used that as the seedbed for your own future. I'm saying don't do that. Don't do that. 
someone else's experiences don't have to be yours. Just because they experienced it doesn't mean you have to. But if you rob their plight, let's say someone died of cancer and died a gruesome death from cancer. Well, if you rob what you've seen and heard, if you rob their reality and put it in your future, uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling, a GPS navigational point. You set a destination and it may not even be in a line with God's word. I can tell you right now it's not because he said by his stripes you were healed. I mean, cancer gets healed all the time. But if you can't see yourself being healed by his stripes, the only thing you can see is this slow decay uh, and that's what you're envisioning that your life is going to be well you will walk that out the bible says as you think in your heart so you will be so how would you change your imagination you've got to get a whole another picture to meditate on who 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 would give you that or where would you get that from god's word and i'm helping you now if you have a sickness you need to exchange this death vision that that you have and replace it for one that where you see Jesus touching you, replacing parts. Maybe an angel comes and replaces a body part. Maybe Jesus is ministering to you. Maybe he comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? I love you. Be healed. Uh, put yourself in the Bible story. Like put, put yourself in the story of the leper. Take the leper out and put yourself there. Uh, maybe the guy, uh, the blind guy that was crying out, son of David, son of David, have mercy. Maybe you need to take that guy out of the story and you need to put yourself there. Envision Jesus walking down the street and you and you crying out, Jesus, Jesus. And he's stopping and saying, is someone calling? You know, and there's all this calamity, you know, envision all the people and they're, they're like, who's this guy crying out? But put yourself in the story. And then what did Jesus say? He, 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 he told that guy, be it done unto you. What do you want? Remember, Jesus said, what do you want? Jesus is asking you today, what do you want? Are you wanting this person's story that you heard about? Listen, you you had no idea. You have no idea what, what the future holds other than what you've envisioned. And that vision is inspired by some influence, some word, some picture, somewhere. Don't allow your future to be inspired by someone else's plight. Listen, we're not judging them, but maybe they didn't know that Jesus uh, wanted to heal them. So don't take their experience and put it as your future. Do you understand how silly that is? Do you understand how uh, debilitating, handicapping? Do you understand how devilish that is? When God has already said, I want to heal you, but you have to imagine it you have to believe it in your heart. Let's say you're struggling with doubt. Well, then you need to go and you need to meditate more on it. All right, let me give you this here because um, we're running out of time. I want to make sure that I give you a couple of these definitions. So vision, Webster's 1828, something unseen imagined to be seen. The Oxford Dictionary describes or defines vision as the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination. That's the Oxford. Uh, one random online dictionary says that vision is conception via imagination. Listen, whatever you spend your time imagining or meditating on, we don't really use the word imagine much, so I know I'm kind of throwing a curveball, uh, but I'm going to get to it in a minute. The Hebrew or the uh, the old the Old Testament word, especially in the like the King James, New King James translations, whenever it uses the word meditate or meditation, it's the same word for imagination. So what I'm saying is whatever you've been meditating on, uh, you've been conceiving. If you're meditating on dying this gruesome death because of the diagnosis that you've been given, you are conceiving it. You are conceptual, conceiving, conceptualizing, envisioning, conceiving that as your reality. And that that is so strong that you begin to alter and navigate yourself towards that conclusion. Another random online dictionary defines vision as the image of something produced by imagination. 
The American Heritage Dictionary defines vision as the experience of seeing something that is not in fact present to the natural eye or is supernatural. What is vision? The American Heritage Dictionary defines it as the experience of seeing something that is not in fact present to the eye or is supernatural. Hallelujah. You can't have a vision without having an imagination. You cannot have a vision without having an imagination. Listen, I don't pick a subject, doesn't matter, but you tell me what you envision. What is the outcome of that idea or that situation or that circumstance or that thought? What have you envisioned? What does the future hold based on that word, that thought, that picture, that situation, that circumstance, that diagnosis? Whatever you would tell me, is the direction that you're headed and you will utilize spiritual realities and spiritual forces whether they be dark whether they be evil demonic witchcraft or whether they be of the light whether they be holy whether they be of faith whether they be of god's word you will utilize some spiritual force to help you get there so i'm saying don't partner with darkness by envisioning death and decay and just crippledness and handicapped and uh, debilitated as the only possible conceivable outcome for your life. You can be healed. The question is, can you see yourself delivered? Do you see yourself set free? Can you imagine Jesus healing you? All right. Uh, Now, like I said, the imagination is the gateway to the supernatural. This is why darkness wants to capture your imagination. This is why death wants to have dominant control over your thought space. This is why perversion. uh, This is why addictions. You know, you can have a strong hold that is positively established on God's word, or you can have a mental stronghold that has been established upon a lie or a deception. All of these are after getting the mind or the imagination to agree either with a spiritual reality or if the devil could continue to manipulate you through a natural reality. Now, here's the word imagination. Let me give you some definition here. Imagination. American Heritage Dictionary uh, defines imagination as this. The process, that's very important because some of us, most of us, all of us are in a process, especially if we're trying to subdue our imagination to turn our physical natural reality. Uh, Like I said, our imagination is working all the time. Most of us haven't subdued it though or, 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 or disciplined it and utilized it intentionally it's working for you 24 7 in fact when you are sleeping your imagination is still working and uh many of us are not aware though of what happens uh in that uh time where we're asleep and we're not cognitively aware of what we're thinking on but i'm telling you the bible says out of the abundance and so if you have an abundance of sickness then you are not utilizing uh you're not subduing and taking advantage of a great force that god has given you a great tool that he's put within you he's inbuilt it in you it's part of your creation uh it's not bad it can be used bad a lot of people use it bad they're experiencing things that they don't need to but god designed it as such remember when he uh, met him in genesis 11 He said nothing would be impossible for them because of their imagination. Now, they were using it in a negative sense. They were using it uh, to devise evil. But he said that imagination is powerful and nothing would be impossible to them if they could get it up into the space of the imagination. And so he he designed it as such. It's a part of us. Um, But the devil's been exploiting it. And so we're saying, no, 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 we're, we're taking it back. We're subduing it. We're going to use it intentionally so that we can experience heavenly things. All right. 
So it's a process. So don't be discouraged if you're in a process. Just stay at it. But here's how the American Heritage Dictionary defines imagination. The process by way of the ability or power to form an image of something that are not present to the natural senses nor considered to be real. Let me say that again. Imagination, the process by way of the ability or power to form an image of something that are not present or is not present to the natural senses or not considered to be real. Uh, Another definition is the ability to confront and deal with reality by using the creative power of the mind. That's how they define imagination, the ability to confront and deal with reality. Of course, we should add a a caveat that is specifically referring to natural reality. Listen, your situation in the natural is not the final word on it. But if you agree with it, and then you take it into your imagination and you begin to map out your destination, you determine the final word on it. Rather than allowing God's word say, to have, uh, to give you the substance or the word to put a substance to that would change your natural situation or circumstance. Imagination, I, I, I just did really kind of a Google search Imagination is almost always associated with creativity. You know, if you know somebody that's really creative, well, they're they're very imaginative. Uh, it's always associated with resourcefulness, and it's always associated with inventiveness. Remember that scripture that says that he would give us witty inventions? What, where's that coming from? Out of the imagination. It's the gateway to the spirit. He will give you a word. You'll have an unction. And uh, it always comes in seed form. And the imagination, it's the place of conception. You take the seed of the word and you develop the life that's in that seed. Uh, Let me skip ahead here to this right here. So vision, vision is like a roadmap. Um, It is a picture classically defined. You can't get around that. Vision is a picture of where people are going. If someone refuses or is unable to get a picture of what you and I are talking about, they'll never arrive at the same place we're going. For example, if all someone knows is poverty or sickness or whatever, you could tell them there's a better opportunity and there's increase, promotion, etc., just up ahead and down a different pathway. But unless and until they get a picture or a vision for prosperity, until they are able to utilize their imagination and dream about enlarging themselves and or bettering themselves, they will only know and experience poverty. The word imagination, as used in the English translations of the Bible, is from the Hebrew word yitzer. Uh, it's the Strong's number 3336. That's a great place to start. It's not the end all, but Strong's is a great place to start. But there you'll find out that it's the Hebrew word yitzer, and it's translated in the Bible as imagination. It's translated as conception. It's translated as framework. It's translated as form, form, or we might even say mold, mold, form, or mold. The imagination is the realm of the heart where conception takes place and something is produced. Remember what Proverbs said, guard the heart, guard the heart above all else. Why? Because out of it flow the issues or out of it spring the issues of life. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, let's see here. Let me go down here. Joshua 1.8. It says this, this book of the law or God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, come on somebody, what? Meditate. Meditate in it day and night. In what? In his words or on his words. Meditate on his words day and night. That or so that you may observe to do all that is in it. Listen, this is why you want to meditate on the word because you don't see every detail the first time. You want to go back to a place. You know, let's just 
let me, let me give you a, uh, something here where you can easily see what I'm saying. If you've ever gone on vacation and you went and visited, you know, like um, Yosemite National Park or um, or Mount, you know, uh, some mountain somewhere um, or, you know, some some touristy place. All right. And the first time you went there, did you see every detail? Did you see everything that that was there? Did you possibly see everything that was there? No, of course not. First time you visit something, you don't see everything. Same way with God's word. And this is why I said, I want you to meditate on my word. I want you to come back to my word because the more you come back to this place, the more you envision what I'm saying, the more details you're going to see. And um, let me say this here because I think it'll be helpful. Um, Angels are real. Seeing angels is not the ultimate. Uh, The Bible says that the pure in heart, the, the what? The pure in heart will see God. Listen, that's your inheritance, friend. Don't let anybody tell you that that's some sort of mystical uh, crazy talk. Um, Jesus said the pure in heart. What are, what are we referring to? The pure in heart, the pure in the mind, those whose imagination has been consecrated, dedicated, sanctified for his use. Uh, it's easy to see him. Uh, same with angels. Uh, there's a lot of clutter, though, because our imaginations have not been sanctified. The eyes of our spirit have been damaged because we have looked upon things that were corrupted spiritual things, demonic things, um, ideas and images that were designed to corrupt our imagination, to corrupt the eyes of our understanding, to corrupt our spiritual hearing. And so a lot of our vision has been blurred or it's muddy, it's staticky. You don't see in color. Uh, You barely see if you see at all. You barely hear if you hear at all. And that's because we've given our imagination over to things that are corrupted and it's damaged that spiritual function, but it can be healed. Remember in Revelation three, he said, I counsel of you uh, to buy from me eye salve that your spiritual eyes may be healed or that your spiritual eyes may see. And so there's healing for that. The blood of Jesus can cleanse that. But what I'm saying is if you go visit a place, you're not gonna see every detail. Um, So you can go back to that place in your imagination and you can begin holy spirit jesus always locate jesus in every scene we don't go anywhere in our mind space or in our imagination without first envisioning being with him uh or you'll get wrapped up in witchcraft and um, you don't want to do that the devil will take advantage of of you there and he'll fill your mind or he'll seduce you to filling your mind with things that you don't need to be hearing or seeing or imagining. But if you'll work with Jesus, you'll work with the Holy Spirit, if you'll work with his word. Remember, um, uh, they say this uh, saying that a picture is worth what? A thousand words. And so his word, though, will create a picture. And if you'll go back to that picture, if you go back to that place, let's say it's uh, Mount Everest or let's say um, Mount Rushmore, or let's say that it's some other touristy spot, maybe Hawaii or Fiji, or you know, maybe it's Germany, or m- maybe it's this riverbed or this place over here. Well, the first time you visit something, you don't see all the details. There's more there to be seen. Well, you can go back to that place in your imagination, and you can, with the help of the Holy Ghost, you can begin to look around and see more things. And as you begin to fill out the picture, as you begin to get clarity on all the details that are there, see... This is why we say his word is a seed. Uh, there's more that's produced as long as you meditate on it. As long as you keep it in the, in the soil of your heart, there's more there that can be uh, mined. There's more there that can be harvested. There's more fruit of understanding and revelation to be had through meditating on his word. And so a lot of people, they will get a picture. Uh, I'm going to use this since we've talked about it they'll get a picture okay that jesus wants them healed but they don't ever go back there and so it's like that is just a very vague image or it's very muddy or it's not very clear you got to go back whenever that word in 
impacted your heart, whenever the light came in and you're like, Jesus wants me healed. Well, you got to stay in that space. You can go back to that place. How can you go back there in your imagination? And you say, Jesus, where, why are you? Tell me more about this. Put yourself in the stories. Put yourself in the stories. See Jesus laying hands on you. See an angel bringing healing to you. See the healing anointing uh, falling on your body. How would you envision the healing anointing? I don't know. Like oil, maybe. You know, if, uh, if you go back into the Old Testament where Aaron was uh, anointed, it gives this vivid picture. Maybe the healing anointing uh, would be like, um, like uh, power, uh, maybe coming out of someone's hand. You know, whenever I've prayed for people, I have felt power. I felt heat. I have felt fire. I have felt something like the best way I could explain it was like electricity. Uh, go in your imagination, and maybe when that person prayed for you, maybe there was a, a minister that laid hands on you. Go back to that place. Go back to the time where you received it and go see the rest of the details. Here's what you haven't seen yet. You haven't seen that you actually were healed. You haven't seen yet that everything on the inside is to respond to that healing anointing. Maybe you see it as an oil. Maybe you see it as an electricity. Maybe you see it as a fire. Go back to that time where the entrance of his word gave you light and go back to that image and see what you haven't seen yet. There's more details there, friend, that you haven't seen. First time you visited the Grand Canyon, you you didn't see everything. You're going to have to go back there to see more. Is there more there? Is there more at Mount Rushmore? Is there more at your favorite tourist spot? Are there other menu items at your favorite restaurant? You got to go back, friend. There's more there. Come on, say it. There's more there. There's there's something I'm missing. You have a part. Maybe you're in the process. Don't give up on the process. But there's more that you can have as long as you can envision it. So you have to believe that you just haven't seen the whole thing yet as far as your healing or a change or something that will totally circumvent and shift your situation. There's just something yet that you haven't conceived yet. It's for you. He, he's, he's got it for you. It's part of your inheritance, maybe with angels. Um, and you've seen glimpses. Well, go back in your imagination to what you saw and ask the Holy Spirit for more revelation or more what? Revealing. Ask him to see more than what you saw. Because the reality is there is more to be seen. Some people, uh, and myself included, I'm working on this. uh, I've seen angels, but they've not been very clear. And so I've got to go back and meditate on what I did see. And have the word help us here. What does the word do? The word gives you the seedbed. The word gives you materials uh, that will help fill out an image of God's will or his reality. You know, the Bible says, pray, pray this, his kingdom come, his will be done on the earth, or we can say it like this, in my life as it is in heaven. Well, how are you going to utilize your imagination or how are you going to meditate on, on, on that if, if you don't have some of the some help? His word. His words. His words. His words give you help. Remember, his word took upon flesh. His word took upon substance. That's what you need. You need a good word. So if, if you're going to utilize your imagination, here is the basic... Um, parameter here or guideline or number one rule locate jesus in every scene listen if you're somewhere in your imagination and you can't find jesus get out of there plead the blood of jesus always locate jesus never go anywhere without him he said i'll never leave you nor forsake you always locate jesus in fact that's a great place to start is just start uh, over his word when you're reading the scriptures uh, put yourself right there at the feet of Jesus, like with uh, Mary. Envision yourself sitting down at his feet and asking him questions. 
And what do you do when he answers you? Well, write him down. Judge him with the word. What do you do if he reveals something to you? Well, write it down. Judge it with the word. What if you see in your imagination, which is what, uh, what I'm saying is you're seeing into the realm of the spirit, but let's see, let's say that you see in your uh, imagination this angelic or this being of light, but it's telling you something that doesn't seem like it's the word. Well, what, what would you do in a situation like that? Well, you'd first John chapter four, it. you would test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? If you got your Bible, look at this, because this, this, is, this, is, this is helpful. This is helpful because the devil would love to capture your imagination. He would love to deceive you in the mind. It says this in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Well, how are you seeing these spirits? Did you really see an angel? If you saw it in your imagination, you, you really saw it. So you need to test it. He says this, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Let's say in your imagination you're conversing with the Spirit, and it seems like he's light. It seems like he's an angel. Well, how, how would you know? Well, you wouldn't without testing it. How would you test it? Ask it a question. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Listen, evil spirits um, will not substantiate the divinity of God. In fact, a friend of mine, Michael Van Vlyman, he had an, an encounter uh, with the spirit that looked like an angel. And so he just asked it, did Jesus come in the flesh? And instantly this angel morphed into a demonic being and said, why do you Christians always ask that question? And then just disappeared. Well, I tell you, that's why we ask the question. That is why we ask that question. Dirt to dirt. So always ask. Heavenly angels, heavenly beings, uh, they, um, uh, they don't mind that you ask because they will substantiate God's divinity. They will testify of the truth. Demon spirits won't. For whatever reason, they won't. It's, it's in the Bible right there. Right there. So did you really see, did you really see an angel? Well, I'd say if you saw it, you saw it. Where, where did you see it? You saw it in the spirit. How did you see it? Because your imagination is the gateway. So make sure, friends, you always locate Jesus. Go to Jesus first. Don't go out somewhere without him or you'll get into death. This is why people are envisioning themselves slowly decaying and getting worse and worse and worse. This is why they envision their victims, their imagination. That world is more real to them than anything else. And it becomes a course. It becomes a GPS uh, destination. It becomes a roadmap that they feverishly seek to um, manifest or conceive. And I'm telling you, if you conceive it in the mind, you're going to alter things in the natural. Hallelujah. So subdue it, friends. Get hold of that. Sanctify it. Uh, maybe, maybe even take communion over this and say, God, wow, I, I, I'm going to utilize, I'm going to renew my mind, according to Romans 12, too. And I'm going to subdue this thing that you've given me. And I'm not just going to let it run off into the negative. It's working 24-7, friend. But if you don't take, if you don't discipline it and intentionally you utilize it, it's probably going to be working for you in the negative. So get a hold of that thing. Get it subdued. Get it on the word. He says, if then, Colossians chapter 3, if then you've been raised with Christ, set your mind. The word mind there is the word imagination. Set your imagination on things above. Let me give you a, one in the Old Testament. Um, he will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? Let me get you the scripture. Isaiah 26, 
3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Let me take a wild guess, friend. What is the Hebrew word uh, translated mind here in Isaiah 26.3? It's the same word used, imagination, in other places. He whose imagination is stayed on him, stayed on his word, you are conceptualizing heavenly things, good things, pure things, things that are trustworthy, things that are of a good report. He whose imagination is stayed on those things, God will keep him in perfect peace. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for joining me today. We're out of time, friends, but I'm so glad that, that, that you tuned in. I really pray that today uh, has been some strategy and motivation that will get you moving in the right direction. Hallelujah. Listen, if we can uh, be a resource to you in, in any way, reach out to us. That's our heart. Um, you know, that's one way we can partner with you is specifically is by praying with you. And if we could help you in that, uh, feel free to reach out to us several ways you can do that. You can, you can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will respond to you. Or there is a prayer request form on the website, gracecitychurch.tv. You can check that out there. Listen, I want to say thank you to those who have financially partnered with us. Um, you know, hey, there's no charge, but uh, I just thank those that uh, have decided to do that. There is some cost associated with doing this. And if you would like to do that, again, it's our honor just to be able to provide it for you at no, no charge. But if you'd like to participate with us and help us cover some some of those costs, several ways that you can do that. Of course, you can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Follow the instructions there. Or if you're in the United States, you can text to give. That number is 84321, 84321. Just follow the prompts. Or you can write a check. You can mail it to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right, friends. I bless you today. I love you. And until next time, be blessed.